But what my parents had instilled in me was that for something to work, you need two people willing to fight. Right. And the minute one person is not willing to fight, there's nothing you can do. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anya Fombad, and I spark the heart conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people, Or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Living African. We will be continuing our discussion on the stigma of divorce in the African community and life thereafter. But before that, I just want to make this clear. The purpose of this podcast is not to encourage divorce, especially in situations that can be mended. The goal is to challenge the stigma of divorce using lessons from real life stories and to encourage anyone who is facing an unrepairable marriage to not feel trapped in the fear of judgment and to know that there is actually life after divorce. My next guest is Susan Mancho, who was a divorcee, as they call it. Susan was born and raised in Bamenda, Cameroon, until the age of 10, when she later joined her mother in the USA, actually in the state of Maryland, in 1990. She obtained a master's in information systems from Penn State University and worked in the IT field for over 20 years. Susan is currently a serial entrepreneur. She runs a financial consulting firm called Core Financial Partners, a franchise gym called Anytime Fitness Jessup, and a trucking company called Fate Trucking. She was in an eight-year marriage, which made her a proud mother of three girls. And her purpose and passion in life is to help others see or reach for their God-given potential through teaching and education, especially in empowering women going through divorce. She also loves reaching back to help others and uplift them. She enjoys traveling, seeing and meeting new people, and learning about new cultures. She is also an avid reader of financial and self-development books. Welcome, Susan. How are you doing today? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it. It's an honor. I'm glad to have you as well. <laughs> I can't wait for us to dive into this discussion, you know, into this topic, because it's something that, um, like I always said, which also aligns with the purpose of this podcast. It's very important for us to have this open discussions where we can, you know, have a voice or at least give a voice to those who are not able to speak up. Right. So yeah. um, I'll just start by letting you walk us through the divorce story and how you met your ex-husband, any red flags you had seen and how you dealt with them. 
Okay, so I met my ex-husband um, at a, a friend's birthday party. Um, he noticed me. I really didn't notice him. It was one of those parties that extended. You know, you have the Friday event, the Saturday event, yes. then the Sunday event. Yes. Uh, the African We party. Africans, we do that. Yes. He was a Ghanaian <laughs> guy. Um, he's originally, who he was born in um, Guinea-Bissau, but grew up in Portugal. But the next day was the African food day. Yes. So um, we were all sitting and we, he came out from, I guess, hiking. We struck a conversation. Next thing, one thing led to another. He had his own marketing firm. I owned a produce store at that time, a, a business while I was working for Vanguard. And wow. I needed help with my website. So needless to say, we exchanged numbers and he started to help me to put this website together. One thing led to another. He invited me out on a date. And then we started to date. Um, no red flags at that time. Seemed like a really good guy. You know, the basics, you know. Yes, yes. I always told myself, which my sister later on in life told me that I, um, my standards were not high enough as mm. we lower our standards. So, mm. you know, I did that little check mark. He, he checked out and I said, oh, you know, it's a good one. He's decent. Right. So long story short, shortly after that, maybe a couple of months down the line, almost close to a year, he proposed. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, at that time I was, I think in my late twenties, um, wasn't really thinking about marriage per se, but you know, people start to, the family around you, not so my so much yes. my parents, but right. the aunties. And it's the always uncles. those aunties and uncles, right? <laughs> yes, they, they try to mean well. Right. You know, they start to drop those hints, like, you know, you finished college, you've had a good career, you're doing well for yourself. What next really should be marriage and kids? Right, right? You have to be married so and kids. I, I didn't feel pressured, but it, in a way, in hindsight, I want to say I it, it was that subtle pressureness that was not pushful that subconsciously because of our cultures and our upbringing we felt yes. as though that's the next chapter in life to continue on that path of you know goodness yes yes so obviously he proposed we got married and after we got married shortly after we got married um I got pregnant and we had twins oh um, nice. which was good but then I started to realize that you know um what you what we should kind of take a step back as women is what type of a partner are we marrying? I would just marry somebody who is, excuse me, a sperm donor, right? Just right. to have a man and he's going to give me kids. Oh, are we marrying a partner who is going to be actively? I always wanted to marry somebody who will be truly active in helping me raise my children. Our, our, our children. Um, compared to a lot of what we've seen, at least I saw growing up where, you know, when the children comes, it's like all the woman's job. The father, all he does is just provide. Mm-hmm. Barely interacts with them. Now, my father wasn't that way. However, I still had a lot of aunts and uncles that were that way that equally shaped what, yeah. you know, what I was. So, but towards our relationship, not to drag it on, I started to realize that my ex-husband would give advice that he would not take. That was the first red flag. Mm. Mm. It is hard. That is powerful. To, yes. It is hard to give advice. Like he would give advice to his friends. And I would say, well, would you take that advice? He's like, no, nah, I wouldn't. Mm. Now I'm in a marriage. You can't yes. just walk away, you know? So I started to say, oh my goodness, did I miss this? Like, was I blinded by this? And then yes. when I went in hindsight during our dating phases, I started to see little, little traits mm. that he had. It was there all along, but I was so blinded by um, glorifying basic behavior that I overlooked those things. And that in hindsight, had I known he would give advice that he would not take, I probably would have not turned down that marriage offer, right? Mm. And realized that you have to give advice that you can take. Right. So oh. needless to say, after seven years of marriage, um, 
some infidelity issues came about um, on his end and I wanted some clarity. And mm -hmm. I, I wasn't running for divorce. I was not running for the hills of divorce. To be, to be frank with you, I told him on our wedding day, mm -hmm. I will not be the first woman to be cheated on mm -hmm. and I will not be the last woman to be cheated on. Mm -hmm. What I will not do is have you support that behavior for you to continue it. Right. I need us to talk about it so that if it's something that I'm not doing to please you, I want to know so that I can hopefully correct it depending right. on what it is. Yeah. Um, I was never given that opportunity. So um, when I was asking for this information and I just said, I just want to know the truth. And the information that I was getting was very dismissive. Mm -hmm. it, was as, it was as if I should just accept it and it won't happen again. Right. So um, it just didn't sit well with me. So I said, let's go to counseling. Mm -hmm. I'm not married for better or for worse. I did get married in a church. And they said for better or for worse. And this is one of the worst. So you want to work, work at it. Because that's what we were taught growing yes. up. With, yes. Off that, stick it. Make it work at all costs. Right. right. Even sometimes when not now for my ex, he was not abusive. Mm -hmm. um, he got a little bit verbally towards the end when things were going astray. When he so, realized yeah. he wasn't going to mm -hmm. I had put all I could put anymore. But I was still willing to fight. I said, let's go to counseling. But what my parents had instilled in me was that. For something to work, you need two people willing to fight. Right. And the minute one person is not willing to fight, there's nothing you can do. Right. Although a good part of going through uh, the, the ups and downs that we lived into was a divorce, I was the one with all the energy, making the counseling. Like I was doing, I was willing to do the one man fight for quite some time yes. until I had to take a step back. Again, you have those aunties and, and, and moms telling you, make mm. it work, make it work. And right. then having this one-sided fight, you can't have a one-sided fight. So at some point in time, I prayed for clarity and that I had to take matters into my own hands and not allow my culture and stigmatism to dictate my happiness. Hmm. So after I went again and said, let's go to counseling and make this work. When he said no, I said, okay, let's, I'll give you the divorce. Let's go. Right. I, I'm okay at this point to move forward. Now, during that time, that one-sided fight was thinking about the kids, how people will perceive me, how my life will be. For eight years, you have merged everything yes. to help uplift and build this other person while you've been suppressing your, you know, uh, uh, desires and wants for the sake of quote unquote marriage. Marriage. Yes. So after a while, when I said enough is enough, I know me. I was this, you know, vibrant young woman with all these dreams and all these ambitions that I kind of tabled to support and uplift my husband. So I need to go back to being that and I will be okay. Yes. Just like I told myself, I will not be the first one to be cheated on and I will not be the last one. I equally looked at other folks who had gone through worse situations than me in the public, but they were able to rebuild themselves and I had an amazing and a supportive family, especially from my mom and my siblings that re instilled in me that vigor to know that I am equally just as powerful. So being right. married did not define me or did not elevate me to some status. It, that greatness has always been without me. So that's what really gave me the strength to just say, it's okay. It will be right. okay. And I will figure it out with the kids. Right. Wow. That is, that is uh, such a story. You know, it's, it's very, very inspiring. And I mean, obviously it's also touching, you know, because a lot of women out there, there's so many women who go through things like this, but um, they were not bold enough to make that decision that you made, you know, and uh, similar to what you said, you know, we actually see all of this things, this red flags, you know, but the pressure from 
us, like we actually pressure ourselves. Like when you see your friends happily married, even though they may not, you may not know what's going on behind the door, the scenes, but they show a happy marriage, right? So when you see that, or you see every other person getting married, it's like you have that pressure to stay married as well, right? So you put that pressure on yourself as also, as well as a community, you know, like community in terms of even the extended families, like the aunties who, you know, have that, you know, you have to follow a specific hierarchy or specific steps towards your womanhood as an African woman, right? So we see all these things, but we tend to be dismissive of all of these things just because we have this internal and external pressures on us. So for you to make that bold step, it's very, very commendable, you know, because not many women actually have the power and the strength to do something like that. Now, uh, was there any like strength that broke the camel's back in terms of like, when did you just know that that was it? When for the third time I scheduled counseling and I said, let's go and talk about it. Um, again, I just went back to, you can't have a one man fight. Mm. This will never work because then you will always be fighting. You mm. will always, at what point do you say enough is enough? Like I loved myself enough to know that you can't fight for someone who doesn't want to fight for you because yeah. at that time it just wasn't me. We had three little girls. Mm-hmm. And I, when we, when we finally separated, our youngest was barely four mm. and the twins were six. So at that time they're getting used to mommy and daddy and you know, the things that we would used to do, although most of the time it was still me being the caregiver, driving them to all the activities. So once, you know, you, you want him to have his peace. And, and I just said enough is enough. Like I, this is not the end of me as far as life is concerned. Mm-hmm. So when I reached out to him the third time after I scheduled counseling and he said, no, I said, okay, I can't have this one man fight. I picked up the phone and I called my mom. I said, mom, it is official. I am done. Um, and I just told her, I remember this phone call, like it was yesterday. I said, mom, for the last eight years, I was a caged bald eagle. Mm. I said, Today I am going to start to soar. Ooh, um, never that back. is powerful. Yeah, that is powerful. I mean, I wish every woman could actually see themselves that way, you know, especially women who are going through circumstances of such, you know, see themselves as a caged bald ego, eagle actually. And I mean, we should always be reminding that we are eagles and we can soar above any circumstances, you know? And um, I know a lot of women or people in general, because sometimes men also go through things like this, you know, a lot of people actually don't want to take that decision, you know, or action because they always think that they're going to regret it and stuff. And also in most of our African communities, there's still this conservative view on divorce, right? And also there is this, you know, view that you have to do everything possible to preserve your marriage, right? So how did this conservative views influence your decision to either stay in the relationship or marriage or actually leave the marriage? So initially it kept me longer because you you had little things in between that were truly signs of a breaking deal. I've always been one um, keen on counseling, whether it's through the church or whether it's through another third party. Because mm. I when you're two adults and you're coming towards a relationship working as one, you have to be in sync. So when you're not in sync, like you're seeing A and I'm seeing B and we're not seeing anything in the middle. Yes. We need best to get a third party, whether it be through the church or through a counselor so that we can both see our points and they can help us now tunnel vision so that we can be on the same path. So the stigma of being married, the stigma of being, um, um, of being, um, a particular, uh, uh, maintaining a marriage home, a well-ran home, um, 
carried heavily on me. Yeah. So the young me pre-marriage, oh, I'd have been gone. Right, but right. Once I got into the marriage, it's like yes. your aunts and grandmothers and uh, stay there, make it work, my dear. Stay there, make it work. It's almost yes. like they don't feel as though it's okay for you to say, if this, if this is not what God wanted for you, you, he can't take you out of this. Yes. But we, so once we get in, that's it. That's it. So there was a part of me that in the back of my mind, as much as I was educated and I was, I had my self-esteem all the time, it still weighed heavily. It's that silent pressure. Yes. The silent elephant in the room. That's so much, so many young African women we carry that yes. even though we're here and we're educated, when you hear our stories later on, just, and you kept put up with that. Put up with that, yes. And it is because of that silent elephant in the room, those whispers yes. that you've heard all through the years. When you hit this level, now this is what you're supposed to be. Yes. So it kept me probably in there longer to continue to fight and make it work. Mm-hmm. But at some point in time, I'm just happy that I had an epiphany <clears throat> and I knew <clears throat> that God wanted more for me and I had more to give mm-hmm. uh, of myself without diminishing myself in a marriage that was not being fruitful to me. And I think in marriages, especially, I think a lot of us African women, I will go back to that. Mm -hmm. We lose so much of ourselves in marriage. Oh my goodness. Yes. Very few African men, and they're good ones out there. They know how to truly embrace and celebrate the greatness in most of us African women. So a lot of us diminish ourselves. I say we diminish our lights to elevate them and keep the household perfect because that's what we've been told to do. That is what our roles have been. And I don't blame the prior generations because that's all they knew. But I also hope that they would evolve. When I mean they, that means our parents' generations, our aunties' generations to realize that we can be more than just a good supportive spouse to our husband. Yes. Yes. I mean, you, every single word that came out of your mouth was nothing but the truth honestly. And I'm very glad that we're talking about this because especially as African women, we grew up seeing our mothers take care of the household. It's like everything, even basically in terms of saving the marriage, we are the ones who have to save the marriage. The man never really does much, but the woman is always expected to be the one like, Hey, you can make it work or you can stick to it. You can do this. You can do this. So it's like, there's so much pressure on us as women and even African women, you know, to always fix things. You know, we're the caretakers of the children. We have to, you know, we have to put everybody's needs before ours, even when we are going through adversity. And that also contributes to making us lose who we are because we are focused on so many other things and so many other people that we tend to not focus on ourselves. So I'm very, very glad that you brought that up because it's something that, you know, at the end of the day, and this is why we have this, we're talking about things like this. We as women and some men, we have to learn how to put ourselves first in certain situations. And this brings me to the next question because I know divorce, well, I don't know because I I have seen and heard divorce is never easy, you Mm -hmm. know, especially when children are involved, right? So um, can you please talk me through, you know, the worst of it? Did you feel any guilt, any remorse? Because I know uh, for the most part, children are usually the main reasons why Mm -hmm. um, parents stay together or at least women or men stay in marriages that they're not supposed to stay in otherwise, especially your mothers. Like when you grow up and I mean we've grown up and we thought our parents marriages you know were like honey 
right? Milk and honey. And then when you hear certain things that some of our mothers went through, you know, I mean, it's unbelievable. You ask yourself, like, why did you stay there? And they're like, yeah, it's just for the children. And then it's like, you get confused. And if that's a doctrine that, you know, you will also have that pressure to stay in either an abusive marriage or a marriage that's not repairable because of children. But then again, you fail to realize that if you don't make yourself happy, the household or your children will not be happy. So I really want us to talk about that, um, you know, how, you know, you maneuvered with the instance of divorce, especially when you had three kids already. It was not easy. It was tough because you're always talking, thinking about how my kids going to feel. Are they going to be okay? Are they going to be loved? But when I finally made that decision, I immersed myself with um, good books, books um, on on, on, on going through divorce with children. Um, I spoke to other women who had gone through it. Mm -hmm. And the surprising thing um, is that children are so resilient as as they know love. So in my situation, my ex wanted to make it a lot difficult for me because she knew the kids were obviously much closer to me because Mm. I was the one running. I was a caretaker. Activity was me. Swimming was me. Acting was me. You know, all the activities were always me shuttling them back and forth. So um, it was tough because he wasn't making it easier. And, you know, you try to have an, an amicable conversation to say, hey, listen, you and I did not agree but let's just look, continue to love the children. Hmm. So it came a little bit bitter on his part because he wanted to do the whole, it's your mommy's fault. It's your mommy's fault. Hmm. So I won the oldest of the twins took it a little bit, the hardest initially. Hmm. The younger, t- the other twin and the younger one, they really weren't understanding it because when I was going through the divorce, I literally left, had to leave my 17 year career that I built. Hmm. And that worked for two and a half years until the divorce was finalized because he wanted to literally, because he couldn't believe I would actually go through with it. Um, He wanted to just make my life miserable in all capacity. And like most men, where do you get the woman? When you can't get her physically, where do you get her? The The kids, right? So it made me have to start to bend when he had to come and see the kids and he will not see the kids, if it was my weekend, sure. Like I was an open book. Whatever he said, I would jump. We're going through the separation all for the sake of the children. So right. again, I'm, I'm deeming my light. I'm being the peacemaker to keep things moving. But again, it got to a point where when he missed this weekend, he just had to wait to his other time. Because again, I was perpetuating that same behavior of always being the peacemaker, of always pleasing him, even through divorce. So it was a good friend of mine and my mom that actually brought it to my attention. says, you need to stop that. Because if you continue to do that, he's, he's winning again. Yeah. Right. Because now I'm still beating to his drum. Oh, he'll block his phone and fly on a, on a boy's trip to, you know, Atlanta on, a, on his weekend to see the kids. Then when he came back and wanted to see them for whatever weekend, I'll say, sure. It was always a yes when it came to the kids. So I was indirectly perpetuating the same behavior that I was doing in the marriage for as pleasing him and making things works for him. Was I happy in that process? No, because if I had planned something on my weekend off, now I had to cancel it, put down my happiness and my sacrifices, right? I wasn't thinking about myself. I was thinking about the kids and him. Yeah. So it continued until um, when I went and saw my divorce lawyer and they were asking what was going on. And I said, you know, we had agreed on, you know, every other weekend or whenever he needed to see the kids, but this is the pattern. And it says, you have to stop it. 
if you do not stop it, it will continue. It will continue. So that's, I had, I, I still needed that outside help to get me to see that I was perpetuating the same cycle I was doing while I was married. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. And I mean, I, I, I honestly, you know, while you were talking, you know, it just dawned on me, like, I, I honestly don't understand what it is, especially with our African men. I can speak only for African men. I mean, I'm African and we have heard a lot of stories of this happening, but for some reason, it's like, in a marriage, you know, that is breaking down or a marriage that's about to end because of the man's acts, you know, of, of what he was doing. You know, you have this instance where a man will treat the woman very badly. And then when she wants to leave after trying everything possible in her might to save the marriage, and then he retaliates, right? Yeah. I mean, we saw this with the Cameroonian couple last year, the suicide murder in mm -hmm. Ohio, where the lady was moving on with her new boyfriend and this guy literally killed her and killed himself, you know, leaving two kids as orphans. We saw this last year as well, the Ghanaian uh, pastor in Orlando who killed his wife right at her job, you know, because she had filed for a divorce. I mean, that's not the only reason. There were several other things going on behind the scenes, but we see this trend, you know, of men, especially our African men, this retaliation that they always portray once they see that this woman is strong enough to leave them. I think it's it's probably going to be a, a another episode that I would have to talk with a few men to really get to know exactly what's going on. Because I honestly, in my opinion, I feel like it's part of the ego talking because they just cannot believe that a woman can walk out just like that. So she has to go with something. They have to do something to hurt her one last time. You know, sometimes it ends up being tragic as we have seen in those stories. But, you know, um, it's something that we definitely have to look into and also talk about it because it's, it's actually an issue in our community. Now, now, um, if you were to visit the situation all over again, like what will you do differently? Oh, I would not glorify as my younger sister, and I'm going to give her credit, Kelly Mancho. I really have to give her credit. Um, 20, she's 25 now, I believe. She, she, I can't believe it took her for this, for this light to come on. I would not glorify basic behavior as something extraordinary. Right. Oh, he's nice. Oh, he doesn't curse. Oh, he looks, mm. oh, yes, he takes me out to dinner. Um, oh, yes, he brings me flour. Mm. And you that's are what they're supposed to do. Of that. Yes. So I would not glorify basic behavior, like basic expectations as something extraordinary. Right. Say that again, please. We need to hear I, that again. <laughs> you will not glorify basic behavior that a man exhibiting respect and care and thoughtfulness as something so great that I overlook all the other things that are going on. So yeah. when I sit in hindsight, all those things before they're great and we always appreciate it, but some of us women, we glorify it so much that we, when we glorify so much, when we really start to look at who this person is character-wise, Yes. There's no way our worst, we will even allow them to date our worst enemy. 
Right, right. That's very true. I mean, like uh, I was talking before, especially in the social media age, you know, um, everybody is a baby mama or baby father or whatever, you know, which I mean, I have, it's none of my business. But one thing I saw is that people actually, especially the women, it's, it always comes down to the women. They actually glorify and they're like proud of the father of their children coming to see their child or buying the child a gift. I'm like, uh, that's not supposed to be glorified. That's what he is supposed to do, you know, because we, we, we settle for the bare minimum. And then it's like, we don't even know any better. And we don't know how to teach our children, you know, how to love themselves to the point that they need to know that that's normal. And that's what they deserve, you know, because in as much as we're doing that for ourselves, our children are watching, you know, the children are watching, oh, did mom do every single thing in the house and dad did not do anything or why is it always mom taking us to this to this to that so as the women when they see that at the back of the the, as the girls when they see that at the back of their mind they automatically think that as a woman you have to do everything you always have to just make sure everybody else is fine before focusing on yourself so that's really something that i really wanted you to say again um to let women understand that there are certain things that should be expected that should be those are silent expectations that nobody should even tell the husband or the wife that this is what you're supposed to do so that was very powerful yes it is okay for your husband or your partner to come in if you cook for them to clean the dishes it is for them to cook and you eat so when they take care of you it should not be something that is glorified you should yes. be grateful and humbled but don't put them on a pedestal that it's like you're not deserving of it you are because guess what you do it every day selflessly yes. without even thinking yeah so the one time that he does it why are you elevating it right is he elevating you every single day right that's very true that's so, very true it's funny my, my sister i remember when in, in this uh era and i know you probably ask of after marriage and, and trying to date and you know she just says sis this time around i need you not to glorify basic behavior i i lived with you because she lived with me i'm um, even going through that and she says i saw what you did you put everybody first before you before you traveled you his food was in the fridge hmm. you know everything was laid out everything was taken care of hmm. just stop that right right that's that's really true that's very very powerful well um as you well, it's already a, a step ahead of me. Life after divorce. <laughs> you find that you are a bald eagle and you spread those wings and right? you realize the width and length of those things. You have nothing to do but to soar. Right. So that's what I have been doing. Um, I, I'm a Christian and I believe that God doesn't give you anything you can handle. Yes. So um, it just allowed me to take a deep breath and say, okay, Susan, you got to do yours. Unfortunately, I wasn't um, in a good one where my ex was, is very involved in, in our children. He hasn't seen them in three years. Oh. Doesn't support. Absolutely. So, but I have amazing parents who always told me that it is okay for a man to come and want to take care of you. You are, mm-hmm. most of us women are deserving. Hear mm-hmm. me ladies. We are deserving of a good guy coming and taking care of us, but yeah. that doesn't mean we should not add value, meaning that yes. you should not battle yourself or empower yourself because if and when he does leave mm-hmm. and you have children, mm-hmm. you also want to be in a position to take care of yourself. So That's I always true. took heed to that advice ever since I came yes. to this 10 years old. Wow. So 
obviously I had a good career. I was out for a while, but I had saved well and I had businesses that sustained me and mm-hmm. an amazing family. Mm-hmm. So um, I was able to kind of get myself back so I can care for the kid. Now, being able to soar and make your own decisions and see that the decisions that you were sharing while you were a couple, because we had one or two businesses together, mm-hmm. that he was not taking heed because you were a woman. Mm. Um, I was now, I have been able to implement those decisions and they have been fruitful. And I I just sit and say, hmm, had he done that back then, could we have been in a far better position? So I've just realized that my, my, my voice cannot be cannot be diminished anymore. My light cannot be dimmed, right? Um, so as I as I try to date, if I see any guy that's coming to try to dim my light, and guess what? If your light is dim as a guy, I will be more than happy to help you shine it. Yes. What I'm going to have you do is for you to even go near my switch to yes. even try to bring it down. I yes. will stop you right then and there. And it's, it's because now as a bald eagle, you know, we have that, that, that sight, that line of sight. Yes. Focus. I'm laser focused on seeing those signs that I missed in hindsight Mm -hmm. so that I don't repeat the same decisions that got me in it. Right. Because often or not, what happens with us divorced women is we fall right back into our patterns. And by the time we realize it, when another relationship or in another marriage and the same thing is happening because we never took that step back and really identified what it is that we're willing to tolerate and Mm -hmm. what it is that we're not willing to settle for, not tolerate. And if you are truthful to yourself, I honestly believe God will send you in due time what is right for you. Right. Wow. That's, that's, that's really powerful. Thank you for that. Now, um, once the divorce was final and you're, you know, you had this newly single life, I would imagine as an African woman at the same time, uh, a newly single woman, a divorcee with three kids, you know, um, what challenges or what, you know, freedoms did you have? Like, especially when it had to do with, you know, trying to you know, take care of everything and maneuver your new life as a single woman with kids. And then like, what um, fears did you have, especially going back into the market, knowing that, you know, people may look at you as, you know, like you have kids and, and all of that, like what, what were your fears and challenges? Um, my fears were protecting the children, hmm. finding somebody that I liked enough that would come in and respect my children. But then again, if I didn't like you, you were made of my children, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll be very honest. Um, I dated a guy for almost two years and my kids didn't even know I dated him. They just mm-hmm. knew him as my friend. Mm-hmm. And my sister pointed that out to me that I made a mistake because what we need to teach our children is that some relationships will work and mm-hmm. some will not work. Because yeah. as they journey through life, some friends, they're going to have to shed right? Yes. Yes. If I just wait and I find that perfect guy, like after divorce and I say, I'm dating this perfect guy, all of a sudden we get married. They haven't seen anything in between, mm-hmm. but they may think that, Oh, when you date this one person, you have to stick with them. Even if they're treating you like crap. So I took a step back again, this young 25 year old young lady is putting all this young fresh ideas that escaped my parents and my auntie's generation in the sense that we have to show what a healthy relationship is one that you agree and one that you don't agree because they are going to be forced to make those same decisions as they journey through life. So, um, and I told my sister that you're right, Kelly, the next guy that I do date, um, and I feel as though he is right to meet the kids when I'm that comfortable, I'm going to let, I'm going to introduce the kids to him as somebody that mommy is getting 
to know so that they can relate that, hey, if things don't work out, but we're still friends, they can understand that that is okay. That is and okay. if things don't work out and we can be friends, that that is also okay. Because the problem for us is that we never saw that. Yes, we never, we never saw, saw that. that. Actually, in our in our parents' um, generation, it was a taboo for a woman to even like move on after a divorce or even after she loses her husband, you know? Yes. And now it's like at that time when, you know, our parents divorce or something, like everyone's already asking the father, like, when are you having a bring in another woman? Because the woman is a helper, right? So they, he needs someone to help him. But when it comes to the woman, you're supposed to stay single for the rest of your life. Look if, after the kids. Yes, and look after the kids. If you try to meet someone new, it's like you're a whore. You're being called all of these names. But for the husband, you know, if there's a divorce or a life event of a death of a wife, one year later, everyone's asking, like, when yeah, are you getting married? Oh, yeah, they're bringing him. Yes. Because it's funny, because when I was going through my separation, before he even moved out of the house, he already had a new girlfriend. Oh. Oh, Yes. But when I just had a friend, not even somebody that I was dating, just a friend who would give me advice and he would hear the, 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 the voice, oh, I'm this, I'm, I'm not a fit to be a mom, I'm not fit to be a wife. I said, but you just told me you have a new girlfriend who looks better than me and just as better than me. Now I'm just talking to a male friend, which I never did out of the respect of our marriage. Now all of a sudden I'm the whore, I'm the this. Yes. And I just had to sit back and say, wow, if I never saw double standard played out in my entire life and in my entire marriage, oh, he gave it to me like front and right. center. And right. it just made me realize that after a while, as a woman, we just really have to know ourselves. But more importantly, just know that we're not going through this alone and that there are options. And we have to really start to push that 5,000 pound elephant of a stigma out of the room so that we can see the world in front of us and what we're capable of doing. And yes. that is okay. And if you show love to your children, trust me, they will be fine. And that's yes. what I have realized. Oh my goodness. That's so powerful. That is so powerful. Thank you. I mean, every single thing you have said today is just giving me chills because this, I'm so excited because I feel like so many women who are not even married yet out there because there are women who have been in long-term relationships, even short-term relationships, not marriages, who are already going through stuff that married people go through, you know? So I feel like we all need this message and this reminder, you know? So, um, I mean, you said so many things that, you know, we can all relate to, or we can all take from that. But, um, on a personal level, like what has this entire experience, like going through the divorce and life after, what has that taught you about yourself? That I am so much more powerful than I gave myself credit in my marriage. Mm. Um, I do not advocate for divorce people. I do not. In some situations, we just have to accept that we married the wrong partner. Right. When you come to that realization, then you have to just be strong enough to know that there's something greater out there for you. And it's not necessarily greater out there as far as another man, but just greatness that's within you that needs to come out. And so many of us women, we when we we have we have all this greatness going. Then life happens, we get married. And if we're fortunate to have kids, we have kids. Then it's like, woo, we're just closed. We, we, it's like an umbrella that you just close. Yes. Now you're just in this cocoon, yes. just marinating. And then you realize 30 years later, kids are grown and you look back. Oh my goodness. What have I accomplished besides being a mother? Not taking away anything from, from single moms. Mm -hmm. But for some of us that God, oh, God had put greatness in all of us. Yeah. But for some of us who had so much um, ambition, most of us lose ourselves in marriages. I would have mm -hmm. never thought like when my family, Susan, like really, I lost so much 
of my vigor of life in my marriage for mm-hmm. the sake of my husband. And indirectly, it was because of that 5,000, I like to call it that 5,000 pound elephant in the room. It is those silent norms of yes. expectations of a woman. You know, my grandmother used to say a woman should be heard and not seen. You know, if I made a mistake and just closed the kitchen cabinet a little bit too loud, if my brother did it, it was okay. But when it was Susan and she heard it, oh, I, I heard it, you know, huh. sit up straight, hold your stomach in, don't slouch your shoulders. All those things over time repeated with the aunties and they mean well. Yes, they mean well. They don't know any better. Thank you. You took the words out of my mouth. So it just really taught me that whoever gets to come back into my life as a significant other, I still believe in love. I think it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are great men out there. The great men who truly understand that they're dealing with great women and they understand that they can let the woman light shine as well as equally have their light shine. And it does not deal with their manhood. Like the men who know how to put, I like to say men who know how to put their ego in check because a lot of men's downfall is your ego and pride. The ego. Yes. Your ego and pride. So I just realized that I can still be submissive to a man and he does not diminish my light. That's what I have learned. And as I take it, take it out to date as I'm back in in the market, although I do have, I think it's a good one. He's learning, but (laughs) the ground rules are there, right? When you're coming in, these are my ground rules. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. I am ambitious. This is this, I put I put it all on the table. So I don't, three months down the line, I don't want you to say, but this. Yes. Are you from the beginning? And a lot of us women, we need to show up, especially after divorce. We have to show up mm. day in and day out with the person that we want to be. And so many of us, and this was another red flag for my ex, and I'll say why. It, I The way I am inside my house is the same way I am outside my house. Mm. My ex was not the same way. Mm. Outside, he could not touch a fly on the wall. Gentle. Mm. Inside, different person. You yeah. know, I, I, so we women have to make sure that the way we show up outside is the same way we show up inside. And I think that's where you start to live your truth. And you will attract people who are okay seeing that truth outside and inside. There's no two there's no two way. And that's what happens with, with, with a lot of our relationships. So that's what I took away um, from it. As I go forward, it's like, I am crystal clear without mixing words. This is Susan Manchow. Right. I'm not perfect, but this is who I am. So if you're attracted to all of this, this is what I want you to understand what you're getting yourself into. So right. that if it doesn't work out for you, I am okay. We don't have to make, it's okay not for things not to work. That's why you date to see who you're compatible with on right. a lot of fronts to now decide if you want to forge a correlation together as a unit, a partner and move journey through life. Right. That's very true. And I also wanted to add, you know, because based on the culture of like, you must do everything to save your marriage, you must do everything to save your marriage. Sometimes everything doesn't work, right? And we can't keep doing the same things, the same everythings and expecting the different results, you know? It's called insanity, like it's, my dear. Right, insanity. Because you just so, define the word of insanity. Insanity, yeah. So some women, we as women, we always have to know that there is a point where everything cannot work and we just have to let go when everything cannot work. And when I mean everything, I mean literally everything, counseling, every single thing. When it doesn't work, then there's that point where we just have to let it go, you know? And the letting go is that you're loving yourself more. Right, right. you deserve more. Because for most situations, it is us, the women that are fighting. We're fighting, we're doing this one man fight. 
mm. hoping that eventually he'll just give us just 5% so yes. that we can take our 90% that and that hope. Yes. You must have that threshold to say, I've been fighting for 10 years and he has not budged. He's mm-hmm. not it's not gonna budge wow so um i mean you have spoken so many things i hope everyone is like writing notes down and stuff like that what is the you know one last word that you would tell other women who are in a similar situation maybe going through uh the hard decision of you know um getting a divorce i mean men and women i don't want to exclude men because they are actually good men out there who Absolutely. do everything to save their marriage but it's still not working right so what will you tell people who find themselves in such a situation um about you know divorce and like just maneuvering the process and life after um charity begins at home mm. you got to love yourself it's like the plane they say before you put the mask on on the child put yes. it on yourself first right. so are you okay? Is your state of mind okay? Think things throughout first. Always be willing to fight, but the fight has to be a two-way fight. And if it is not, you have to take a step back and see if it's worth it. But you have to love and put yourself first in any situation. That is my advice. Wow. Thank you so much. Now I know you're also an advocate for like financial independence, especially, you know, amongst women and stuff like that. So, um, uh, I know this is definitely going to be another topic that we're going to talk oh, about, I- you know, this is, we would definitely be another episode, you know, just picking your brains up and, you know, um, seeing different ways for you to tell us different ways on how, um, women especially can be financially independent because finances or poverty is one of the reasons why women remain in relationships, right? Yeah. So how can we reach you if anyone wants any of your services? Oh, really easy. My email address. I'm not huge. I I have to apologize. I am on LinkedIn. I'm not huge on social media um, because I still believe in the human interactions. Mm. I think sometimes, excuse me, social media gives us um, a a false hope, Mm -hmm. but I can be reached. My direct cell is 610-301-9400, or they can email me at susan at corefinancialpartners with an S.com. That's a good way to reach out to me. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure, you know, having this interview with you. And I mean, as for our listeners, I hope that this, you know, episode inspired those who are in a similar situation and also gave a voice to those who have been silenced and feel like they're stuck in a situation that is irreparable. Now, so we have actually come to the end of this podcast episode, and I hope that the discussion does not only end here. And I also hope that we can have more of these conversations within our circle and just learn to be more understanding, accepting and tolerating of each other. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will catch you on the next episode. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to our show. If you want to participate in the show or find out more helpful resources, then visit www.livingafricanpodcast.com for more information or email us at hello at livingafricanpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to connect with us on all social media platforms at Living African Podcast. You can also connect with Anyo directly on Facebook or Instagram at Anyo. Fombard. Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.